just want I want you to know, like I listened I listened to Frank Schaefer. Oh, your interview with mm -hmm. him. Yeah, that was great. That was very very. It was really I really really enjoyed it, and well, I don't even know if I, I really qualified to even be on your podcast. But well, I'm doing this for your mother because she would was relentless. <laughs> Listen, Frank is probably the most qualified person we've uh, as had. Only, as only He's probably the most qualified person we've had and yeah. uh yeah, he's a fascinating dude with a lot to say, but most of the people we've had on this podcast are friends or friends of friends. So you're in great company. This is sort of what we started the podcast for. Um so yeah, we're super stoked to chat with you. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I certainly have opinions. <laughs> sure. Well, the opinions are are welcomed. I certainly um, have opinions. Yeah, they're they're certainly welcomed. So uh, why don't why don't we start there? Like, where what is your religious background? Well, um, I was born to very traditional 1950s type parents. Mm -hmm. um, so I was programmed. I was programmed um, Roman Catholic, and um, that's how we were raised. My dad was fairly devout. Well, really devout. Um, my mother. Not so much. Like by the seventies, she was like, "Yeah, I'm not really into it anymore." She was into it, but she would. She didn't want to like go to church anymore. You think maybe she like did a little but acid on the side or something? Day, no, she should have <laughs> because she really needed to. But well, what um, was the shift for her? Do you think? She, no, she. Um, I think she. Well, because her father, her father, when she was a kid in the in the like late twenties, early thirties. Her father went to church for um, confession mm -hmm. on a Saturday, and the priest wanted more information from him than he was giving. And he was like, screw you. And he walked out, and he never went back into a church again. Mm -hmm. So she was like, you know, if I'm not happy with it, I don't, I don't need to be there. Right. Although, I mean, she still was very, like, spiritual and devout and all of that but she had a lot of other stuff going on which is like the subject of another podcast that you guys might develop in the future <laughs> it's like a whole different story <laughs> yeah did did you have any sense or tie to like spirituality when you're growing up as a kid or just like any sense of wonder or anything like that or yeah, or was it just sort of like go to church? I, I was, I, I was programmed. Um, I mean, we went to Catholic school. We were, we were just, you know, that was our world. Okay. You know, we. I went to public kindergarten, and then first grade, I was in Catholic school, and and I bought into it. I was like, I was really into it. Okay. Sure. Tell us about. They had me. They had me. They had me long. Well, just tell us about some of the. You use that word mm -hmm. programmed. Like, tell us about a little bit the experience of being in Catholic school and like what leads you to now sort of view it as like feeling like you were sort of mentally programmed into something. And not saying that you weren't. I I totally take your word for it. But I'm just curious what the experience was. 
Well, I mean, you had to, it, it was, it was very strict. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a lot of, nun- at that time, we had a lot of nuns because that was before uh, Vatican II. So they weren't leaving the convent. They were actually still coming in, in large numbers. Um, they were very strict. We were very frightened as kids. We were, we were very scared. It was very regimented. Um, you know, um, it wasn't like, it wasn't like an atmosphere of like free thinking, Sure. you know, you did what you were told and your parents had no, absolutely no input. The school, they took over and your parents could not argue with them or have any right. opinion, you know? Yeah. Not the, like today. The teacher was right. I think I just was curious, like there's two things. One, I mean, was it sort of this kind of classic Catholic school experience, like nuns with the rulers on the knuckles and like, kind of like real, just like disciplinary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty hardcore. Oh, yeah. And then I'm also just curious, your mom or your grandma mentioned this when we interviewed her, but I don't know what, I don't know what Vatican II is. Oh, yeah. Same same also. What is that? What is Vatican? What is that shift to Vatican II? We don't know anything about that. I do. You do. I don't know anything about that. (laughs) It was, it was, I'm not a big authority on it or anything, sure. but what happened was the, the church had to, they had to get together and they had to change with some of the times. Yeah. This is like, they had to, they had to come out of the dark ages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was a shift and I don't even know who was uh Pope then Paul the sixth, maybe like, uh... and they, in their own way, they tried to come into the 21st century. Yeah. They didn't, is, they didn't really get very far. This is like, <laughs> Andrew, you know, when you always think that like Catholicism is more with the times than maybe some other sects of Christianity, sure. like Vatican II is responsible for that movement. Right. Like right. that was it the was doctrine like, put in place okay. for the, for you to feel that way, I think. But I think it's interesting. Yeah. Cause I grew up Christian, but not Catholic. Catholic was like a whole nother world to me. Well, let me just tell you, tell you what happened with Vatican II, an example of what happened. They, they were saying the, ma- the mass in Latin until Vatican II. Oh, Jesus. So you're just and sitting there. You're just, doing the ma- a, you're just doing a, a pure like religious ceremony that has no connection to you at all. You're just sitting there and just for the liturgy and the like, you have no idea Not what's going on. Not unless you speak Latin. <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. Not unless you speak Latin, yeah. <laughs> Which is funny. I mean, Frank mentioned like so, that he is part of the Greek Orthodox Church now and he likes the fact that they do the whole th- the whole situation in Greek and something that he he's just there for the, the sort of ceremonial aspect of it and and he can leave the rest. Um but I I do understand that to sort of start that way as a kid you being raised in the Catholic Church, like pre the, I guess I would call this like the Catholic Reformation. Is that something that people use in, in referring to Vatican II? It sort of feels like that. But you being being there and going to Catholic school before all of that happened, yeah, you're just sort of in this weird foreign world. Like you don't have any idea what's going on and people are just like yelling at you to be, to get in line and do your thing. 
Well, they and they indoctrinated us early when we were in first grade, which is when you're about seven. Mm-hmm. You uh, you you uh, you exp- well, you've already been baptized at birth, so you don't have a choice in that. <laughs> and then when you're seven years old, you you make your first communion, which is a sacrament. You don't really understand what's going on. No, no. But you get a nice outfit to wear. Yeah. You get a nice outfit to wear, and you're in a procession, and it's all very, you know, elaborate. And then you might have a party afterwards or something. And then that when you're about 11 or 12, you they put you through another sacrament, which is confirmation. Okay. You memorize a bunch of stuff, and you you regurgitate it back to them. So, and you get a middle name. Yeah. So when you were doing all that stuff, did you not really feel so, like a real tie to it or any true sense of like a relationship with God or spirituality? This was just kind of your lifestyle more than no. anything. Yeah. You're, you're a kid. You can't process that. You can't process it that deeply. You're a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, and a, and a lot of it they keep so it's mysterious. It's so mysterious the whole thing to begin with, but right. then they even make it more like mysterious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So post confirmation, what you know, what happens then? You 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 you're in Catholic school. You're raised in the system. You're indoctrinated. You're sort of like you know, in a in a kind of literal sense, like you're, you're kind of brainwashed from like an early age, you know, put in through this like really Mm -hmm. rigorous system. So what happens from there? Well, you're only going, unlike other, uh, unlike other like Protestant religions, you're only going to church on Sunday and you're supposed to go to confession before you go to mass. But People really didn't do that anymore. After Vatican II, people were like, we don't really need to go to confession. So that kind of like fell by the wayside. You didn't go to church midweek like Protestants sometimes do with Mm -hmm. none of that. Um, I do remember in hard times when my family was either having a hard, whatever the crisis was, I was too young to know really, whatever trauma was happening, I do remember my father gathering us in the evening and we would say the rosary together as a family. Mm-hmm. But that was way when I was, when I was little. Did that, did that do anything that for you? Did that, did that mean anything to you at the, at the time in terms of like, or was it another just sort of like weird yeah. religious ceremony that you're just kind of going through the motions? You're just reciting a pr- prayers. You're mm-hmm. just reciting them. It's recitation. That's all it is. Right, 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 right. You're not talking about your feelings. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's long, too. That rosary, I feel like, is uh, it goes deep. Yeah. Especially for a kid. It's a lot of time to sit there and be like, okay. <laughs> That's Catholic Church in general, dude. Yeah, those masses are long as fuck. So, some of them are extremely long and so slow. And it's it's fucking brutal for a kid. I was never thinking about what was yeah, happening but, as a kid while I was there. Well, about 20 years ago, I, I had a girlfriend. We started church hopping. We were really looking for a church. 
And um, and it, we did not want to be. I did not want to be in the Catholic Church, and she didn't really have any 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 preference. Mm-hmm. So I learned what kind of what other religions are like. And what I realized is that the Catholics have a really a really marketable product. They because if you think about it, the average mass is just under sixty minutes. And it's the same rich. It's the same thing every time you right. go. It's the same so order of events. So you just do the Sunday the ritual. Same order of prayers. And then you're good. Like you show up for the ritual and then you're good. And unlike Protestants, well, and unlike Protestants, they'll read from both the Old Testament and the New Testament, but they only read snippets. Mm-hmm. They never read an entire chapter. They read some verses. And then then some verses from New Testament, and then they move on. And then the homily is where the uh, sermon that the priest does, that's usually different. But sometimes he's just asking you for money. Right. (laughs) He's just asking you for money. American Jesus. That's that's the American American God that uh, Frank Frank Schaefer was speaking of. Um, Yeah. Man. So Maria, uh, like, when do you, when did you start, I don't know, like starting to have some, some free thinking moments where some light begins to shed and you start realizing that there's more to life outside of the boundaries of like this Catholic upbringing and maybe start to like deprogram yourself in some way. Yeah. Um, well, I went to I went to Catholic school to ninth grade. It's funny. Both my husband and I both went one year of Catholic high school and then transferred to public school, which was weird because we didn't know each other. He lived many miles away. But so we both had Catholic school up until the ninth grade. And um, and, I, and I don't think I don't think I really gave any thought to it. I just wanted to be with my friends who were in public school mm-hmm. because that's where all the shenanigans were going on. Sure. That's where I wanted to be. Um, and then I kind of just like faded away from it. I just wasn't, I wasn't too involved. Sometimes I'd get involved and sometimes I wouldn't. There was a point at which when I was like a, just out of high school, I was helping out some people at my the church I grew up in, and I was playing in their guitar masses, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of was like dabbling in it, but I wasn't really super serious about it. I, I really, and then I just didn't even, I tried to like indoctrinate my children. And then, you know, we were just, Jim and I just weren't real interested in it. You know, we weren't interested in the whole institution the games they play just all the nonsense it was just so it was something that like sort of into your into your adult life you were still sort of like just going along with the kind of the catholic culture right it was something that was thrust upon you that you just kind of were like okay we're just going along with it and then at some point you in your adult life you realize like i don't want to do this anymore because when you have kids you're when you have kids, you're like, well, what are we? Like, what, who are we? How do we, how do we identify? Mm-hmm. And at one point, the public school system where we were living in New Jersey was so bad that we transferred both kids to a Catholic school. 
but it was the same nonsense that you know the same just just this um you know give us your children let us do with them what we want and you just stay out of it mm-hmm. i know and that at that point in my life i had been like working really hard and you know I knew the score. I knew what the world was about. And that was not a world I wanted to be a part of. And then we moved. We moved out to the to the Midwest. And the kids just went to public school. And that was it. And then one day my son came to me and he goes, what are we? And I said, I don't, I don't think we're anything. Yeah, we're, peop- <laughs> we're people on the planet. Yeah, for sure. Man. We're people. Yeah. I feel like that's the uh, the life of the suburbs to some degree for people. It's just like kind of sort of this false sense of reality that you grow up in if it's like a nice suburb. And then you realize that like it's, I don't know, why everybody wants to pad you from the world. It doesn't make the fallout from it any easier. Hmm. And that's just a no, really... It, it, it makes it worse. That's a really random stoned connection yeah. that I'm making here. No, you're right. I'm, I'm stretching maybe a little bit. No, but it's, it's true. Like I feel, I don't know. It's like the similar of uh, the churches that really want to keep you within the, the confines of like what they decide is life. Um, totally. And then you start getting exposed to other things that hopefully make you more compassionate and like sympathetic towards other living situations and whatnot. Um, but that must be hard too to like, obviously you, you weren't raising your kids in any sort of like militant religious household. Cause you didn't really have that tied to it yourself so you're not trying to pass along this gift of spirituality or god to them so i think that's nice that you know there's not that coming at them or down their throat like that because i think that's a really hard thing to try to like once you feel that sort of energy i think that spirituality within you or that holy spirit or whatever it's like so easy to want to like try to pass it along to people but you really can't except just like keep being who you are because you can't just like it must be tough as a a parent to like want to give that to a child because you you really can't you have to like let them figure that out on their own and figure out what that energy or that holy spirit is for them well they're all they're already going to school and school is programming them just fine I mean, really, you're just letting the school program. Them. Right? Mm-hmm. That's the whole system, too. That's what man. school is. Yeah. I mean, society itself is a is a programming machine. I think that's something that, like, a, a really intense psychedelic experience yeah. will wake you up to where you're oh, like, oh, dude. wow, we all just agreed upon, like, we're <laughs> all just collectively agreeing upon this social contract. It's not real. It breaks down the moment that we stop agreeing upon it, but we are all just like believing collectively that it's real and that is what makes it real. But as soon as we stop believing it, it's nothing. We're just, and we're just people, we're just, you know, apes on the planet. So yeah, yeah, it gets weird. I think what, what you're sort of pointing to is. Yeah. I mean, I think we've had a very happy life without that, that kind of craziness. 
I, I think we've done really, really well, you know, um, mentally and emotionally without that, you know. So yeah. my kids are fiercely independent and independent thinkers. Um, but I have a funny story to tell you. Um, in the late 90s, when I was looking for a church, I found one and I found the Assemblies of God Church. And they were cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And I fell right into it. <laughs> Drinking the Kool-Aid. And I made and I made and I made friends, you know, there. But um it was a very, very small church. And um at the time I had become friend in my in my professional life, I had become friends with a girl who had just come over from India. She had just moved here from India. I mean, she didn't even know they act people. It, it was kind of sad because the manager had to tell her she didn't know that we bathed every day here. Like that didn't even occur to her because they didn't do that where sure. she came from. Western society She's has so a sweet, has though. a strict so obsession brilliant. with with the constant bathing. I remember a math teacher telling me that when I was I in know, eighth grade, it, he was like, you know, the rest of the world they don't really give a fuck about that. The fact that we take a shower every day, we waste all this water. You know, this was fucking. 15 years exactly. ago yeah this this hippie motherfucker in boulder colorado but he had a point he had a point where it's just like the obsession with bathing here is just un it's ridiculous anyways right so um so um somebody actually had had complained about it you know they didn't want to be close to anyway she was a lovely lovely woman and and it was she was just one of the nicest people. And since then, I've, the Indian people I've met have been nothing but kind. A really, really nice girl. And I saw so at church, I went to talk to some of my friends there. I was talking about her a lot because she was, you know, I had some great, we were having some great, you know, experiences together and this thing that we were doing, this project we were on. So um, one of the ladies at church sat me down and she said, you do realize that your Indian girlfriend is going to hell. Jesus Christ. And I was just, and I was like, I was really upset about it. And I remember my dad had remarried after my mother died, like about four years later, he had remarried. He was 75 when he remarried. So it wasn't like they were kids. And he married like uh -huh. a woman who was like a couple years younger than Fucking him. Fucking bless up. And both like devout Catholic. Huh? <laughs> Not that. What? Keep keep going with the story. <laughs> but they, you know, they were both devout Catholic. They met at church. I mean, they were really you know, like serious Catholics. Uh huh. And I remember calling and talking to them, and I was talking to his wife, and she, and I said, "Can you believe it? I, this woman at church told me that my friend, you know, whatever her name was, I can't even remember now, Indira something. It was an Indian name that I probably wouldn't pronounce right." It was so. It was so long ago, um, but I said, "You blew." She said that my friend is is going to hell. <laughs> so my dad's wife said, "That's not the kind of God that we love and and that loves us." Mm -hmm. She goes, "That's that's ridiculous. That is ridiculous." And now we're talking about strict Catholics. Catholic meaning the one and only, the right. one and only church. Totally. And, but, and, 
and then it just got went from there and then it got to a point where I was getting into arguments with the pastor at the church and he was telling me that I, I he said you think too much you think too much <laughs> That was pretty much big, big red flag. Don't think about it. Just show up and give me your money and stop <laughs> thinking about it. And also your friend is going to hell. As if that's a real place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the whole concept of hell has been really, I think, there's this huge awakening right now in the Christian community, um, both Catholic and like Protestant, American, evangelical, whatever you want to call it of people sort of waking up to that exact notion that you just brought up of like, what kind of God would allow somebody who is totally sweet, you know, like a great person lives a great life on this planet, but just, you know, they were born in India or they were born in Thailand. Like they don't brush paths with Christianity. They have their own set of beliefs, which is, totally understandable like what kind of god is going to make them suffer for eternity because they were born somewhere where christianity wasn't the fucking it's norm it's insane it's absolutely insane and also there's it's like ludicrous. there's almost no biblical basis for it and so you go back and you're just like well where the fuck did this even come exactly. from and and you realize like oh they're just saying this to like it was a it was a mechanism of control in all forms of christianity but the mm-hmm. early church, there was no concept of like uh, this, you know, this intense concept of afterlife and heaven and hell. It just wasn't it wasn't a real thing. And I still don't think it is a real thing. And I think a lot of people are waking up to even just that theological notion of like what kind of God would allow his own creation, his own, you know. Yeah, these these beings that he's created, like. He's going to give them this impossible test, and if they fail, then they burn in fire forever? What the fuck is that? That's crazy. <laughs> it's it's totally ludicrous. It, it really is. Although, I'll tell you, churches, they do good things. And I really, res- I, I, I have respect for people that, you know, that choose to be involved in them and what. what the bottom line is they they are capable of doing wonderful wonderful things for the community. Totally. But the problem to the problem with churches as far as I'm concerned and the reason I don't want to be involved in one is because people ruin it for everybody. <laughs> yep, for sure. If churches that were just empty, if the churches were just empty, they'd be great. I mean, <laughs> listen, really my ruin. my parents are both still in the church and they're amazing people and I love them dearly and I know that they're in it for all the right reasons. My mom runs a food bank for the church, you know, they feed like tens of thousands of people a month. Mm-hmm. Um and she helps facilitate that, but because she's a part of this church in Orange County, I know that she has to deal with people on a daily basis that she's like, "Ugh, again with this?" Like it's very similar to you having a friend who's like hey, you know that your friend is going to hell. And it's just like, hey, that's not why we're here right now. We're here to feed the hungry because it's important. We're not here to talk about the weight of their soul in eternity. Like, that's not... We're just here to make an impact. We're here to love other people. Why are you even talking about that? And I think a lot of people get a disillusion with that. And I think, like, I'm impressed with my parents. 
that they, I just had a conversation with my dad recently where he was like, you know, part of the reason that we've stayed is like, I refuse to cede the church to fundamentalists. I won't do it. Like we have to, the people who really understand, you know, the core message of Jesus have to hang on to it and not let these like fucking nut jobs take it over and steer it in the wrong direction. And so there's this battle within the church that's happening. That's really complicated. What I noticed was like, if they run a food bank, any, any, even the, and the Catholics do too, if they're running a food bank, that is, that's like a solid entity in the community. Mm -hmm. But the majority of programs, at least I found with the Protestant religion, the majority of, of little, um, events, not programs, but events that they have are purely there so that they can evangelize. Right. It's evangelize. A, yeah. There's an altar call, like come take the food and then let us tell you about Jesus. Well, look at the whole, look at the whole crazy, like clown thing. The clown thing where people in churches, they get super involved in their church and they're like, they're like, you know, socializing and the kids are socializing and all of a sudden there's like three kids. They want to go to clown school. So then they become clowns and then what? they have adults that go to clown school and they become clowns. What are you talking about? Oh, yeah, the Protestant church. About? Yeah, it wasn't in the Midwest. It was a big thing. <laughs> clown school thing. and the Protestant we need church. A, we need, wait, I think we need to so back the, it up. So the churches. <laughs> we got to We got to know more about this. Yeah, we got to back it up. We know we have no reference for what you're talking about here, Cookie. <laughs> OK. OK. The whole subculture of people who are into clowning. I find clowning, I find clowns terrifying, but that's just me. So does this but guy. But there's a real guy thing like about it. Either. They consider it an art. It, it's weird. That is, um, that is strange. I noticed in the Midwest, in the Protestant churches, clowning was a really big thing. And they would have... <laughs> Kids would get into it, and then the parents would say, well, we want to get into it, too. So they go to clown college. They actually have clown college. So they go to it. They create their character. Now they're a clown, right? I had a very good friend, actually. I, She's still a friend back in Illinois. We're not close because she's very involved. Because she's a church, clown? But she has been, she has been a clown for... 25 years now i want her on the podcast and, her, and it's her all it's her alternate it's her alternate sure. uh ego, ego yeah this is when she's she's a very very quiet shy person but when she's when she's a clown she talks to everybody <laughs> but it's all for evangelizing it's all for that it's to it's to reach people for god so she whoa. that's what it's about so she's spreading like the good word in her clown makeup absolutely oh this so is, i don't understand wow. this at absolutely. all we need to do a deeper like an npr type style investigative dive, dive not, into this, this is not a fuck around well, this okay, will happen okay. i will dedicate time to this <laughs> We must no, know no, more. just think about it. Think about it. Pro Protestant, Protestant churches, uh, more like the evangelical vein or the um, the fundamentalist. They go to church Sunday. They go to church Wednesday nights, right? They right. 
They a lot of them go twice a week. They have children's programs. You know that they have children's programs. Catholic school, Catholic church doesn't have Bible study. You're in mass, right? But Protestants have Bible studies. Yeah. Your kids don't have to be in the service with you. They're a Bible study, right? And when they have all these programs for the children, that's where this whole clown thing comes from. I'm telling you, that always clowning uh, is big in in the Protestant. That always tripped me out as a as a Catholic kid. Is when sometimes my mom and I would go to a different denominations mass and they would send all the kids into like a different room and i that that should creep me out yeah i was just like wait what what I, i'm not yeah i want to stay here what what, what, what are we, what's happening out For here sure. you send me into this weird room yeah we did have uh ccd though catholicism school um, I did that. I did that in, in public high school. I did that. Yeah. I did that once a week. That was a total. That was a total waste of time for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was more like a social thing. Like a lot of kids I that went to my public elementary school also went to that church because it was in the neighborhood. So it was quite a few kids that I knew from my school that went. So it wasn't even that big a deal to me because it was just like, oh, well, this person also goes to this thing. And, uh, I don't know. It wasn't anything weird or anything really, uh, like disciplinary. It was like for a lot of parents, I think it was even maybe some sort of like daycare system, you know, like Mm -hmm. on this night off after school, you know, like their kid would be kind of taken care of with snacks from like 4 PM to 6 PM. So if you work, (laughs) like that's a great that's like a pretty great system to know that your kid is like where you feel like they're, they're really safe. But like, I don't have anything like, I I certainly don't have anything like bad to say about my experience and that it was, it was nothing that like damaged me in any way. It was not intense. It was, it was like a very low key thing. I didn't experience CCD until I was like, 15 because I didn't leave Catholic school until I was 15. Mm-hmm. And I thought CCD was a big inconvenience because <laughs> I never had to, to do anything extra besides school all the time I'd been going to school. And right. we didn't even have really religion classes. You know, like it wasn't like they were teaching you the Bible. I didn't learn the Bible until I started looking into Protestant churches where they actually read the Bible. Yeah. In high school, Catholic high school, there was a priest that was supposed to teach our religion class, but he never showed up. <laughs> so it was a free period. Right. He just didn't show up. Yeah. I think I also like viewed CCD as that, if anything. That was my complaint that like sometimes it was inconvenient. And I was just like, I want to go hang out with my friends. Like, why do I have to go? CCD? It's, it would be, um, it's like like maybe, yeah, it's, yeah, they teach, they teach you Bible stories and Catholic instruction. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, when it would probably like lead towards your, you preparing for like, getting into the confirmation stages so you understand things and you know your your first communion so is usually public, tied if to you're that in public school yeah if you're in public school 
you would go to CCD because you were not in a, pro, a parochial school. Yeah. You were not so in So you have to Catholic get a separate school. Catholic education on top of your public school education. Yeah. But like I said, it was super low key. Right. It was once a week and it was maybe yeah, two hours and it was like doing crafts <laughs> like yeah, to learn fucking, Bible stories. Our fucking Mormon friends go to, <laughs> go to Mormon school every fucking day from like 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. and then they go to school. Right. They don't fuck around with the yeah. with the Mormon religion. Like they're really like they're hardcore about that. So and then I feel like in the Protestant realm, like my experience was just like, hey, we got like a we got a skate ramp and we do pizza every Wednesday night. Yeah. And dude. you just come and you skate and we got a basketball hoop and we got all these cool people. Yeah. And you come, you hang out, we're gonna play cool music and like give you pizza and you can skate and you can do whatever and you just sort of show up because you're like, Well, like I'm here for the hang. And then it, just like what you were talking about earlier, Cookie, where it's just like, and then, you know, if you show up at six for the hang at 8 p.m. is when they're like, let's talk about why you need to dedicate your life to Jesus. Like, yeah, it's all for the altar call. And then you put your hands up with everybody else while we're all singing the song. Man, when I when I started going to those youth nights in junior high to like Christian mega churches for the youth nights because my mom didn't care she was just like hey i just like want you to have some like jesus in your life so she was all about it if i went to like if i had some other friends that were going to go to this junior high youth night she was stoked about it and that was like the rock star version of church to me and i was just like oh yeah this is rad there's a like you said there's a bunch of people skating in the parking lot beforehand you know it was like where you you would go to that even if you didn't give a fuck about church, if your parents didn't right. make you go, there you were just good, like, there was I'm good going to, to be this. Had. I'm going to this. And like, yeah, I wasn't at the stages of like where I was smoking weed or anything at that, that young, but like, yeah, there was people going to that youth night every time to go skateboard, make out with their significant others and smoke weed. And yeah, just fucking have a, a time and their parents were just like yeah you're at church <laughs> it's like cool and then all we have to do is go inside for <laughs> all we have to do is go inside for an hour after and right. listen to somebody give their testimony which yeah, was like sing some worship songs those testimonies kind of trip me out sometimes though that's right like i i don't know how i feel about those things now because now i just kind of i i'm not sure like how genuine any of them were of the people that were older like for sure. It's it's Well, I think when you have somebody who gets up honest, on stage. And honestly, do you really want to hear somebody bare their soul like that? Honestly, do you really want to hear them? I mean, sometimes, but I think soul. that I think that a lot of times when it's fake, yeah, no, I don't. And I think a lot of times what you get with especially <laughs> with the Protestant church, what you get is you get someone getting up there being like, like I remember in the mega church that I grew up in this guy getting up there talking about how, you know, his past life of being gay, and by past life, I mean, like, his actual life, but now he was straight and married, and, you know, he had been gay, and he got AIDS, and he was probably in his, like, late 40s, early 50s, so, like, he got AIDS during the AIDS pandemic when he was a young adult, and, you know, and then he found Jesus and magically became straight and, you know, Jesus, the Lord gave him a wife that accepted him for his, all of his past, whatever. But it's like, it's what you're talking about, Cookie, where it's just like, where's this story going? Like, 
you're trying to tell me that like I need to reaffirm my faith and like rededicate myself to the Lord because the Lord made you straight. Like, I'm just not really following. Even as a kid, I was like, I'm not really following this, this story. Like, I feel like you're a total outlier. If this is true, you're a total fucking outlier or you're full of shit. And I think looking back on it now as an adult, I'm like, yeah, I think he was full of shit. I think that he was a gay dude who like, for whatever reason, sacrificed his own identity for this fucking religious movement. And he was a guest speaker at our church. He wasn't a member of the congregation. And this was a big congregation. We're talking like seven, wow. 8,000 people in this church. So they had lots of people to get quote unquote testimonies from. This a, mega, dude, a, a mega church. Yeah. This dude was mm-hmm. traveling around telling the story about how God had made him straight. And how God had had granted him and getting, a wife. And getting paid. And getting exactly, paid Exactly. Exactly. And so now in hindsight, I'm like, yeah, that dude was full of fucking shit. He, who knows what the fuck he's doing once Grinder gets introduced into the world. Like, and I don't mean that to be like an <laughs> asshole. Like, I really, I don't think this, I think this dude is neglecting who he actually is. And like you said, he's traveling around the fucking country making who knows how much money i mean the the church that i went to could have easily been like yeah five thousand bucks to to talk for the weekend six services we'll give you five grand yeah he does that every fucking week he makes a good living well why would he why would he drop the story right i mean that's why uh frank talks about getting so addicted to doing that because he was getting flown into places and he would speak for you know for a, an hour or two and he makes 10 to 20 grand just for dropping in and and then he's out doing it in the next city it's uh yeah and that was in like the 80s 90s <laughs> so that's a shit ton of money yeah no it's uh it's very interesting i think that I there's remember, a lot of fakers i remember the first time i remember the first time we went to a mega church where i live where we lived in chicago and it was like going to a, a television taping but on a giant scale, they had a full, full piece orchestra. They had mm-hmm. a giant choir. They had this just beautiful, beautiful venue. Right. Light and system, everything. I, I it's all there. It. Yeah. It's I a whole production. Get, oh, I could not. It was crazy. And I had just come from this little church, the little the little Assemblies of God church, where during a service people would be speaking in tongues. That's trippy, and they'd be they'd be fainting. They'd be fainting, right? It's hard to they'd fake be waving fainting. Their hands in the air, and... but like, Wait, no, it's called slain in the spirit. It's called slain in the spirit. <laughs> oh my god. I see you I never slain in the spirit. I think that would have turned me off real quick as a kid. If I somebody if I saw somebody speaking in <laughs> tongues and fainting because of the Holy Spirit, I'd be like, I don't want that. I'm not into that. Yeah. What was given to me was something it was this very cool, like sort of leather jacket over the shoulder idea of Christianity of like you can be you can be cool for Christ, you know? Like you can, yeah, you be, can skateboard you can for Christ. You can be a rock star. Like you, you can, can be play a rock metal star for music for Christ. That's what I grew up with. Yeah. If I feel like if I'd had all of the sort of like traditional <laughs> stuff, I would have been just like you, where I'd be like, "Yeah, no, I'm good. No chance." Yeah. And then the fallout from all that stuff is is wild to watch too. 
after you see these people that have like dedicated their art or whatever to for christ and then had the fallout later of trying to understand that it was like not what was sold to them in their their like americanized christianity let's, let's briefly let's briefly or tangentially let's talk about christian music and let's talk about the christian music bands that became Christian music bands because it was a way to get into secular music. Yeah. Right. Or making that cheddar. It just hopped right over. Yeah. It's for right? sure. Fallout guy, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, there's. It's funny how it's funny how you think stuff is just crossing over, but it's really not. No, there's a whole industry. It's really, it was just a. It was just a back door. It was yeah, a back door for sure. There was a whole industry behind yeah. it, um, and there were entire, you know, I mean, there were entire like record companies and shit that were propping up these bands, knowing that it's like this is the industry that we're going to serve, and we're gonna have. I mean, that's the shit that I listened to growing up well, from the shit that was very like overtly Christian to record labels like Solid State and Tooth, Tooth and, and Nail, Nail. Yeah. where like these bands are actually legit great bands, but they have like sort of a subtle Christian message. Well, and there it's again, it's the leather jacket, leather jacket over the shoulder message of like, you could be a cool Christian. Look at these Tooth and Nail bands. For sure. I mean, I remember um, this record label that Andrew is talking about, Cookie produced one of my favorite bands of that era and they're called under oath and they're actually from florida um and they i would go to these shows and there would be a time in in the set where they would like let everybody know like hey like we do this for god and like would would have your hands up if you're with us yeah if you're here for god let us know but it's but it's interesting now because in retrospect for them yay god yeah like <laughs> they've they've come out and like spoken uh, how damaging that was to like their relationships they were young as people they were in their early 20s when this was happening and just how yeah and and just how because it you know they really? began like putting this standard of judgment upon one another when when someone would maybe do something outside the bounds of christianity yeah. or something jesus like people would be like yo what are you doing man you're a bad person and you know it was just it was a lot to live up to but it's it is yeah, because they were a popular christian band it was basically like all of you should be christ right now like yeah. you should be living perfect lives and it's like no we're all like just human so when you're when you're trying to live that way you're in a constant when you're trying to live in the word you are in a constant spiritual battle constantly everything you think and say and do and feel you're analyzing you're in a spiritual battle over everything it's nuts well totally and that's it's this nuts sort of there's modern... there's no there's no freedom in that. this modern christianity that we have today and it's not it's not everybody by any means but there is sort of a culture of you know, this shift maybe like three or 400 years ago where the Bible became this thing where it was like, this is the word of God, meaning like this is God's direct word and the Bible, you cannot argue with it. Everything that it says is just like what it is. 
And that's not how it used to be. It used to, and even in the Jewish tradition today, the way that they view the Torah, it's like they're constantly debating about it because for them, it's not that it's the word of God. It's the word about God. It's ancient people uh, in an ancient context talking about their experience of God. And I feel like the the former of ta- of feeling like it is the like ineffable, just like word of God brings you to exactly what you're talking about, where it's just going to give you the most intense spiritual turmoil because the standard that you are now put up against, is like impossible to achieve. Whereas if we can recognize that it's like, no, it's the word, it's an ancient word about God. Uh, and there's tons to take from it, but like, it's not the ultimate map for your life and the map for meaning of life. It's just a piece of it. Uh, you know, I think if, if churches gave that message, like their numbers would be much higher, but because they've, especially in America, because they've taken this other line of like, no, this is the word of God. Lots of people are starting to flee it because they're just like, no, it's not. (laughs) This is, this is an ancient text. This is not the word of God. That's an insane, that's an insane view. And I feel like with the internet and like everything that's happening today, it's just really starting to like, it's starting to bubble up. In the Protestant community, there's this term ex-evangelical, and it's like, it's a big thing. There are all these people who are ex-evangelicals. There's a whole community of them. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I would consider myself one of them. But when I left the church, like, I, that term didn't really exist yet. It's sort of a newer thing. But there's this, like, whole community of people that are starting to leave the, the Christian community and not because they're like, I'm an atheist now. And like, I, but they're just like, this is what's being sold to me is right, not, right. is not right. Like there's something way deeper here. And like what you, what the church has to offer and say about it is just not it. Uh, and this message of like, you know, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus to solve all of my problems is like kind of fucking bullshit. I mean, we, I drive around town here in Portland. This is like the most irreligious city in the fucking nation and i see these uh billboards have you seen these dan of the like (laughs) they'll say like have anxiety jesus can solve it oh those are rough you have worries jesus can solve it you feel depressed jesus can solve it and i'm like jesus is not klonopin jesus is not like like jesus can't solve any of these things what the fuck are you talking about it's so strange to me that it's just like you are literally through billboards the church in Portland is trying to bottom feed the most desperate people in the city to get them to convert to their religion, to give them money. Ultimately, they're not trying to save souls. If you're spending money on a billboard, it's so that you can make money. That's it. Period. Like if you're spending money on a billboard, there's no other, there's no um, other motive. I'm reading a book right now called, uh, I'm reading a book right now called big white ghetto. And the guy who wrote it is, um, I think he's quasi-conservative, but he writes about the people exactly who you're talking about that flock to things like this. And the reason that we've got all these crazy, hateful people flocking to this idiot Trump and worshiping him like he's some kind of friggin' God but he talks about who those people are. And you're exactly right. 
they are people that are at the bottom of the socioeconomic level for the most part, for the Mm -hmm. most part, they're not all, but for the most part. And they're just, they're looking for something to, to grab onto. Right. And, you know, their circumstances are, their, their life circumstances for the most part are very bleak. They're very bleak. They don't really have anything or they live in some place that's really nowhere. It's just nowhere. There's mm-hmm. no culture or anything, you know, and they're the ones that flocked us to that, that message. For sure. You know, and believe it. They believe it. They'll believe anything. Right. That yeah. message and conspiracy messages, too. I mean, we don't have the the capital insurrection because of necessarily because of religious fundamentalists we have the capital insurrection because religious fundamentalism has has bred a type of thinking that also allows for accepting of like conspiracy theories and it's the conspiracy theories that drove people to try to take over the capital it's not their love of jesus they could give a fuck about that it's it's their their you know shitty version of Christianity is maybe what opened them up to the conspiracy theories, but it's the conspiracy theory that brought them to that point. But that's sort of the core of the issue is it's like this uh, garbage version of religion and garbage version of spirituality breeds this horrible like way of thinking that opens people up to all kinds of things. And now that we have the internet, it's become very dangerous, and and that's how we get. I mean, like that cuts to the core, in my opinion, of how we even get someone like Trump as president. Thank God he's not anymore. But the aftershock of that is going to be, you know, years and years of dealing with these people who have been, you know, indoctrinated into this whole new like militia. Essentially, it's it's madness. Oh, it's nuts. It's nuts. Yeah. You know, um. When I was you're as young as you guys are, when I was like in my 30s, um, older people would say, you know, you you start to know when you're getting older, when you got to like their age, which is where I am now. You start to really understand that you're getting older when you wake up in the morning and you no longer recognize life as you knew it. And I don't recognize the world right now. It's so bizarre to me. It's crazy. Mm, mm-hmm. I wonder if you guys will get to that point too. I mean, I, you just, you great, stop recognizing. There's this stuff. great Simpsons joke of uh, Principal Skinner, I think, um, being like, am, am, "Am I, am I wrong? No, it's the kids that are wrong." And it's exactly <laughs> what you're talking about, where it's like he's looking at what the kids are into and being like, "That's totally fucking off," and. He can't reconcile that with his own reality. And I think that is a that is a part of getting older is you one day wake up and you're like, what the fuck is TikTok? Like, you know, you just you start to look at the world and you're like, I don't know what the fuck is going on anymore. And the second question is, is this really the world I want to live in? Like, is this the world that because it's not my world for that much longer. I mean, maybe another 20, 30 years, but it's your world. I mean, you're in it. Like, yeah. I, I just, you know. <clears throat> Hopefully. It's really frightening. Yeah. Doesn't seem like there's an end in sight of the the major polarization of what's happening. 
but and it's never not, been. But like, it's, it's never been the world we wanted to live. No one's ever felt sure. like it's the world we want to live in. Well, I was just talking about this with a friend last night, and it's just like, I just don't think it's really going to change too much because we're never going to just do what needs to be done, which is just like give people what they need to survive in the world because we have the money to do it. Yeah. Can we and meet then, basic needs? And then after that, like less crimes will most likely be committed because people won't have as many reasons to commit those crimes because they will just have the things that they need. But right. that like that's just not doesn't seem to be the solution that anybody in power wants to yeah like, they won't accept put that. upon the world when there's obviously the money to do it but if they're not going to give anybody more than twelve hundred dollars like during the pandemic in total like they're not going to do that shit dude they're not going to just like see people get yeah they're not going to start they giving need. people a thousand dollars a month just for being an american like yeah yeah anyway that was deep I want to know two things, Cookie, um, while we have you this evening. And one of those is like, where, like, what crossed the line for you where you're like, I'm disconnecting from this? Like, what was, was it one of the experiences you told us about that was kind of the last straw for you where it's just like, yeah, I'm not going to let you just like tell me that I think too much. No, the no, the last straw for me wasn't even anything that intense. It was um, we had joined a new. We were still trying. It was around 2002, and we we were kind of still trying just to do the right thing, you know, and go to a service. Jim was going with me, and we had found this church, um, different church in uh, Naperville, Illinois, where we were near where we lived, and um, I had offer to do the audiovisual for the service but they already had somebody doing it so that they made me like a backfill and so i backfilled one of the services the audiovisual for them and um they threw me into it with like no preparation nothing i it, i was set up for failure and you know when you're when you're trying to produce something live you got to know what you're doing. Yeah, you got to know what's, you gotta the, have, you what gotta the, have what's the deal. Kind, what's the plan? Some kind of set of like bullet points or something. And I just, I was so devastated by that experience because this was a, this was live. This was happening. I was in charge of like making sure that the PowerPoint was where it was supposed to be and my timing had to be right and all that. And I was really thrown into it with very little preparation. Yeah, no cues. And I was so devastated by that experience. I was done. Huh? I'm sorry. Oh, I said you had no cues. There were no cues. What'd you say? Nothing. No, I, nothing. She, it was like, I'm not going to be there today. You have to do this. Yeah. And I was just like, so um, that like was that was really that was the the straw that broke the camel's back. I never went back. I was done. I was like, and that's when I started truly believing that the worst thing about churches is is people. If it, if they could just get rid of the people, they'd be fine. <laughs> people uh, mess it up for totally. everybody. For sure, absolutely. So like up at even to that point, do you feel like? you had developed 
some sense of like what spirituality was to you or if that was even like an important thing to you in your life or was it still just like a community thing? Yeah. And I think, yeah, no, I think, I think I had gotten to a place where I, I could be, I could have spirituality and not be, and not belong to this particular club. Sure. You know, and, uh, and I, I'm more at peace now than ever I ever have been in my life. So where do you find yourself now in terms of spirituality and like, like spiritual practices? I mean, do you do you meditate? Is, are there other teachers that you're interested in? Like where, where are you at now post post church? Well, I read I read everything I can get my hands on. But um, it, I'm referring back to Frank Schaefer. He talked about how he likes to go. He likes this, the ritual. He likes to go to church. He likes to, you know, take his grandchildren, whatever, and that he still prays and all those things. And it's funny because it's so ingrained in you that you never really lose it. So mm-hmm. regardless of, of intellectually where I'm at, as far as, as far as a God being and Jesus and the Trinity and all of that, like, Sometimes I'll just say, like, even out loud or to myself, either way, I'll say, you know, thank you, Jesus, so much. We have we have heat. We have a roof over our heads. Mm-hmm. We have food. We are so fortunate. And I'll be just like, thank you, Jesus. And then uh, and on the other hand, I'm thinking, you know, do I really even believe that Jesus was who we think he was? Sure. Because... But also, who at cares? That, at that time, every every mother who was pregnant with a baby at that time was sure that the, if it was a boy, it was going to be the Messiah. Right. But I think the 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 point is is that like if you're having intense feelings of gratitude, that in in and of itself is a spiritual experience. To have that immense feeling of gratitude wash over you, where you're just like, "Wow, I am so grateful for all of these things that I have." And then it's like, what do you do with that? Well, maybe you redirect it with your spiritual mother tongue, which is Christianity. So you you point it back at Jesus or you point it back at God or whatever you want to call it. But that's sort yeah. of what we have. I mean, where else are we going to yeah. put it? We're white Americans. This is what we've been given. And so I don't think even as someone like I wouldn't call myself a Christian, but I find myself doing the same thing where I'm just like even in colloquial colloquial language, but in deeper moments too, where I'm really directing my, my gratitude or my concern for my family or whatever, like I'm directing it at a God, I'm directing it at the divine. Uh, however, I think that might be, but it is still sort of a kind of Christian lens that it gets directed at because what else do I have? How else could I possibly understand it? It's the only thing that I have to understand it. Right. 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 And that's okay. Yeah. It takes a lot. If, if nothing else, growing up the way I did as, as far as faith-based in whatever capacity it was, it does teach you in the long run, it does teach you humility. You try, you try your best mm-hmm. to mm. be humble. Yeah. You try your best. Hard. It's hard to do. But that's really where it's at. For me, at least. Yeah. I don't know. That and patience. Yeah. Patience is a real motherfucker. Yeah. 
I think it's something in the male gene. I think I've I, more and more looking back. I just, I think it's in the, I think impatience is in the male gene. <laughs> that might be, that might be true. It's possible. Um, it's possible. Yeah. Well, Cookie, I would love to hear, um, you know, maybe just like as we wrap up this conversation, anything that you want to leave the listeners with, I mean, you just gave us a little bit in terms of like focusing on humility, but in your life that you've, that you've lived and, and all of these, you know, spiritual hats that you've worn, um, what do you have to talk, not to put you on the spot, but also to put you on the spot, what do you have to, to offer people in terms of something to chew on, um, as they, as they walk away from this conversation? Well, I just have one thing to say, okay? Um, Jesus was not white, (laughs) and Santa is not white. (laughs) No, Jesus is my favorite. Jesus was my favorite gay black Jew. Okay, I just just want you all to know that. Yeah, (laughs) that's real. That's real. Period. Um... It is real. Thank you guys so much. This is, I'm sorry. I'm being very silly. No, that's no, we, so we appreciate and, um, silliness. Uh, I was also curious, somebody that is such a, you know, I know that you, you said that you, uh, will read anything you can get your hands on, but, uh, what, what would you add mm-hmm. to the Bible buds reading list cookie as like a book that's been like impactful oh. on you, maybe like on a, on a spiritual level or just like something that's like shifted the way you think about the world or, you know, opened up your lens a bit. Um, I don't have the author in my head right now, but it's this little book. It's called on tyranny. I, I love that book. I'm sure people can find that. Yeah. Quick Google. What is What is, uh, what is that briefly about? It's um it's actually just kind of a guidebook on how to um how to function in a democratic society. Mm. Mm-hmm. It fits in your pocket. You can carry it around with you. <laughs> just in case you forget. The new Bible, everyone, on tyranny. <laughs> just in case you forget, that's right. <laughs> um well I'm sorry that That's all I can think of on the fly. No, that's great. Yeah, I'm sorry my mom held you hostage uh, to like be on this podcast. I don't. <laughs> it sounds like very like her. I love your mom. I love her too. She's she's a she's a spirit of of all sorts. <laughs> uh, so yeah. yeah, yeah, she's great. Um, but yeah, she's my kin. She's my kindred spirit for sure. So, yeah. So thank you for you know doing this go- goofy thing with us and and uh you know <laughs> yeah in the words of your mom why don't we all just lay the fuck off each other lay the fuck off is a good good message <laughs> i believe too so let's have a great saturday night you guys you too bless up <laughs> <laughs> thank you big bless up for thanks yeah. so much cookie all right big saturday night <laughs> <laughs> Take care. It was nice to see you. Bye. It's my mom's friend. She's a really nice woman. She came to stay here 
last time my mom came out for for a week or so had a lot of great chats with her really nice yeah really nice lady i very much enjoyed that chat also i don't think she'd be like super upset with me sharing this because she just did bible buds and i think she understands that you know sometimes this podcast is just about like getting a little blasted having a drink having a cocktail and you know getting a little goofy with it sure so like i introduced her to broad city last time she was here and we just sat on on the couch one night and just uh just smoked weed and watched broad city what a night yeah oh edibles 100 yeah. percent. broad city's a she perfect show she loved it to just get stoned and be goofy with um cookies are, she's a cool yeah she's a cool woman so totally thank her for Thank you, Cookie, for, you know, getting getting wild on the podcast. Absolutely. I'm just very blasted. Just overall. Yeah. <laughs> well. Um, uh, there's Bible Buzz mugs. Get the mugs. <laughs> get mug. Someone sent us an email. Did you check the emails? I didn't check the emails. Someone could have sent us an email. Let's just real quick, in real time... Say something interesting while, while right. I open up the email. Well, I very much enjoyed that chat. I think it's I think it's uh, it's always great to get the perspective of you know someone who's a, who's a little bit older than you and and their experience and her experience of growing up in the church that was uh, pre Vatican II. We got our first fucking email, dude. This is crazy that we check this right now. Um, Unfortunately, it's not a question. It's just a comment. That's awesome, though. So big, big shout out to Amy Sherado, who wrote in, thanks so much for the Frank Schaefer episode. I have such deep respect for him. And Us too, Amy. Yeah, we love Frank. And Frank seemed really willing to uh, maybe come back and, and chat with us. So we hope that Frank joins us again sometime uh, later this year. And bless up to Frank. Bless up to Amy, dude. Yeah. First fucking email, Amy. I want to send Amy. Here's what I would like you to do. I would like you to send me your address and I'm going to send you a Bible Buds mug because you came through. You're the first and you deserve it. So Bible Buds mug coming to Amy. If she is if listening. If she hears this, yeah. If they are listening. I, I hate to assume that's a... Right. A, yeah, we know. don't know. We don't know. We don't know. But appreciate you. Um, what were you saying before we got excited uh, about this email? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's not important. Uh, um, thanks to anybody who's listening to this goofy fucking podcast. And, uh, you know, I just hope that everybody out there is, uh, you know, I hope that you have people in your life that you can get weird with, that you can talk about weird spiritual things with. Death death whatever it is any of the heavy shit like this this hang with dan every week has become this is my bible study this is my like men's group Mm. is this hang and i think it's so important and obviously we're lucky that we get to like oftentimes we get to hear someone else's perspective on life and spirituality and, and that's super impactful but um i just think the importance of like talking to people that you love and care about about things that really matter not politics not like the pandemic like you know matters of the heart 
I think it's so important and it's served me really well. And I hope that everyone else out there has some avenue to do the same. It is very nice. Those are very nice words. That's nice. Well, thank you. Darryl. This is a, uh, yeah, it is. It definitely, it's, it's serving to the, to the, I get more than I give. Yeah. We just do the thing. We put, we put the mics on, you know, That's we it. turn the mics on and it's just a, it's just a good time. And, um, I also realized during this episode, two things, um, I was like pretty involved, I guess, in like the Catholic church growing up and I don't, we don't really dive into it much, I guess, because maybe because there's not like really any trauma from it. There also, I think that's one of the, I don't think there wasn't like, there wasn't a huge spiritual connection for you. It was just this thing that you did. Right. But like the, um, there were some things, you know, it's interesting. And then also, yeah, the Vatican II thing. Um, maybe I can break down Vatican II for you sometime, or we can have uh, someone that's like really well qualified to do it. Either yeah, maybe version. Maybe we'll get Sam back on. To I was talk thinking to Sam would that. be a great person to just come talk to us about, you know, what that really all looks like in in more detail. But important for the movement. Nonetheless, yeah, so. totally. Uh, yeah, we'll put the links in the episode notes. Send us an email, BibleBudsPDX at gmail.com. You might get a mug. Dot com. Uh, you might. I don't want to. That's. You know what? Why, first five. Yo. First five, get a first mug. Five? I'll finance it. Yeah, <laughs> fuck it. First, if you're in the first five to send us an email, you get a mug. Yeah, and you Amy, can send you're getting whatever. a mug. We're going we're gonna to send Amy an email. We'll get the information. Amy's getting a mug. Yeah, Amy's getting a mug. And, and you might too if you send us an email. But but send us a question, like something, a comment, anything. Yeah, the comment, uh, much appreciated though as well. But the question, the advice, we will give terrible advice. Or I will receive your terrible advice, whatever you want. Perfect. Either way. Um, all that information is there. And uh, yeah, smoke, pray, love, everybody. And then you go and you bless up.